Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Everyone, I hope you're doing well today. I am super happy. We had Dunkin' Donuts, and I get to preach. It can't get better than that. Can't get better than that. Oh, and I get to see Zoe, my little niece, for the first time later today. Uh, invited to someone's home for lunch. Just ah. um, before we begin the sermon proper, but go ahead. We're going to be in Third John this morning. Book of the Bible. We did a doctrine last week. Now we're going to do a whole book of the Bible that gives you bragging rights when you talk with family today. What did you do at your church? We went through an entire book of the Bible. Um, Gideon, where's Gideon at? Proud of you, man. I, I, I see so much of myself in you. When I was 15, I was helping with the sound. Um, I never thought that I would be where I am now. I always liked being the second-hand man, uh, but, but God had other calls for me. But it's just beautiful to see you and your dad working together, or manly, masculine, not beautiful, but just proud of you. Keep that up. Little ones, little ones. Children, big kids. We'd love to see you doing stuff like that. So 3 John is at the back of your Bible before Revelation. Between the two books is Jude. Hopefully you're there. Follow along with me as I read. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when the brethren came and testified to your truth, that is, how you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers, and they have testified to your love before the church. You would do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come... I will call attention to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words. And not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren either, for he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, and the one who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write to you, but I am not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we will speak face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. This is the word of the Lord. 
This is a very, very short book, and I refer to it oftentimes as an apostolic email. In, in the Greek, this is 219 words. It, it's really short, so you have bragging rights to go through a whole book of the Bible today, but it's not like going through Jeremiah. It's just a short mention here. But there's so much to learn as an apostle writes a letter to an individual. This has very much the same structure of an Hellenistic letter back in John's day with some tweaks. One, it's inspired by the Spirit. Uh, But also we see um, something we're going to get into in the introduction. But it's very, very short. And what's beautiful about John is, is even John could just say a few words... And he usually uses very simple words to cover deep truths. And in that little bit of substance we have here, there's a lot, I think, that can encourage us today. So we're going to look at this in a couple of sections. So verses 1 through 4 is the greetings to Gaius. We're going to find in 5 through 8, John gives some affirmation to Gaius, some assurance We're going to read of some opposition that comes from a man called Diotrephes, verse 9 through 10. We're going to have an affirmation given to a man named Demetrius. That's a missionary or a teacher, verse 11 through 12. And then some closing remarks about hopes and farewells. At the beginning of this letter, John refers to himself simply as the elder. Now, what does that mean in this text? Well, I think it can have a lot of things. I mean, an elder is a pastor. Um, John is a pastor as well as an apostle. But I think he's referring here to just his age. There, there's some differences about when this book was written. I, I like between 80, 80 to 80, 90. Some people might think it's, it's before that date. It really doesn't matter when it's written in my book. He's saying, I'm old. I'm coming to you with age. Back in that day, it was seen as positive. You cheated death a lot. You've gained some wisdom. Now you can flaunt that gray or white hair the little you might have. You have scars to show the younger men of what you've seen. You know how the world works more so than the generation after you. So he comes to this Gaius and introducing himself as an elder and also in a sense like a father. Now, who is Gaius? This was actually a very common name back in their day. We do not know. There there are mentions of Gaius in Acts 19 as someone who traveled with Paul. In Acts 20, then we hear of another Gaius who travels with Paul in his missionary endeavors. We hear of a third Gaius who hosted Paul and the church in Corinth. It was very, very familiar. It's like, Gary, Gary, your name is pretty common. That's not an insult. One day Zion might be common. I doubt it. Um, It's just a very common name. John now for us is a very common name. So we do not know who he is, but it's very possible he is an elder. And if he's not an elder, at least he is someone who John has mentored and interacted with quite a bit. Because this letter deals with the interactions with early churches and missionaries, teachers that are kind of doing a circuit. We do not know, but we do know this. We don't know exactly who he is. 
He's loved. John, who was that fisherman, loves to use the word love. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved I pray. What a sweet way for an elderly man to approach his pupil, to approach his spiritual child. What a language he carries on his tongue and and also in his pen. In old age, this man wants to make sure Gaius knows he is loved. It's a beautiful way for us to speak to one another. That's a language that we should be adopting if we're not already. An affection, a love, an appreciation, a recognition. In this greeting... He has a prayer for him in verse 2. I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. A lot of the commentaries I have seen have made statements like, good Christians or faithful Christians should be concerned about the soul as well as the physical well-being of believers. We shouldn't be people that are just so heavenly focused that we overlook the physical Needs that are on this earth. And we shouldn't be individuals that just look at the physical. Are you okay? Are you healthy? Are you financially suited? Are you emotionally stable? And forget about the spiritual. What John does here is a little bit different. He says, I hope you're doing well physically, just like I know you are spiritually well. I would love it. And, and not in a, in a terrifying or condescending way, if we pro- approached one another with, I pray that you are rich in Christ. That, that the Spirit is feeding your soul and you are healthy. That you are one with the Lord in this week. And that when your fears combat with your faith, or, 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 or when Satan would whisper into your ear as you were weak, that you were, that you were able to meet it with the power and promises of God. I hope you're that healthy spiritually and that your body matches it. We, we don't talk in that way. Um, John is right here. John doesn't want to neglect the physical well-being of Gaius, but he is so concerned with his soul. I know that you are doing well. Um, I get to single out Jeff because he's the pastor. Jeff, we've been praying for you and for those legs um, a lot this, this week. And I knew I was going to preach this a couple weeks in advance, believing I would. I've been praying for you, brother, that the Spirit would strengthen you. That, that Jesus would be sweet. That, that in your frailty you would find the importance of your faith. And as you come and meet Christ in that intimate scene that only misery brings us in, that he would offer physical relief. I want to be more like that in my prayer. Tragedy and suffering can do a great good for the soul. Gaius is going 
through something right now. He's in the middle of a very messy situation with an individual named Diotrephes. And Paul is saying, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm hoping the best for you. He continues in verse 3 about this testimony that he hears of this child of his, this spiritual child. He says that he was very glad when the brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in the truth. I think the word truth here speaks about his engagement with the gospel. He's being true to the message of salvation for all who would believe and follow in obedience and repentance. He's speaking this truth that salvation is only provided through Christ alone. He's not just saying, I have a true love for you, but I have a love for you and I recognize that we are both in gospel partnership together. And then he says verse 4, which could be a sermon of itself for a gifted minister. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. I've heard from others that you are holding on to the gospel. That you, you are walking in it. You're not just quoting it. You're not just respectfully nodding to it. You're not just able to recollect and understand and quote the gospel. My joy is that you are walking in the truth. Elders, that's our greatest joy. When the people of God are embracing and trusting and interacting with the gospel. Jeff has mentioned several times about our financial reimbursement here at WCC. And that's not so we can brag. That's not so we can say we really kill it out in the marketplace making serious money. And then we just come here with just, you know, an offering of benevolence. If we did this for the money, we would be really stupid. Ministers who have done this for a while, they continue forward not, not because of money. When we tend to the sheep, when we combat wolves, when we hear of our sin that we didn't see from loving voices and, and maybe some other voices not so loving, we get overwhelmed. We can get depressed, we can get scared. And a dollar bill just won't encourage us. When I was about 18, 19 years old, I was the administrative assistant to my pastor. He knew I wanted to go into seminary and he was fanning the flame. And I was the guy that made sure that we counted all the checks, that the sermons were on cassette tapes and newsletters and things were printed. He just gave me busy work and was very kind to give me a check. While I was the administrative assistant... I remember coming across an individual who was visiting our church. His granddaughter had had uh, an experience. 
a religious moment. And he was so excited to see his young granddaughter being a part of church in an environment that loved her and, and received her and had hopes and aspirations for her. So this relative would throw in two or three large dollar bills into the offering plate. Kind of a that a boy to the pastor. Without asking one Tuesday, my pastor mentioned this, so I, I know who did that. I know why they did that. Daniel, I say this in love, those won't last long. The, 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 the money dropping, he saw really as a discouragement. Money was not what, what, what he was looking for from this individual. He was looking for support. He was looking for someone that was hungry for the word of God and wanted to live it out. He was desiring for someone that wanted to make disciples. Who cares about the money? Be faithful with your tithe. Ministers of the Gospels want to see individuals engage God. Share the name of Jesus. You want to support our pastors? Love God, love people, and love us. I mean, when we don't see you for a while, this is no shame. We just get discouraged. Did I say something really wrong? How can I control the situation to make them happy? And then we're starting to please man and not God. Just support us. If you feel really cruddy, I don't care if you're wearing jammies. I don't. Okay? Simply showing up. You don't have to be perfect. You've seen me wrestle with my dyslexia from this pulpit enough now. You don't have to be perfect. Love the truth. Walk in the truth. And our joy is so full and enriched by it. Now, you don't have to be an elder to take that verse. Those of you with children, those with spiritual children, take joy and encourage those you disciple to walk in the truth. So we go to verse 5 with some more affirmations. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers, for they have testified to your love before the church. John is saying, I have heard from another group of missionaries or another group of circuit riders you might think of or, or interim preachers on the go that you are faithful in what you are doing. The historical background here is the church has exploded. I mean, Peter just preaches two sermons and the church grows in the thousands. Paul decides to invent something and become a missionary, planting church after church after church after church, creating a very serious problem. There's only 12 apostles. Say, say in that first Pentecost sermon that Peter preaches, there's 100 faithful men that are able to preach and pastor. What happens when you have 5,000 overnight? They have a very serious, a very good, a very serious problem. So what's happening is they are seeking to train them as fast as they can. Praying over them, discipling 
them, take them to the marketplace, going to their homes. They're in the apostles' homes as well. And they are as fast as they can trying to mentor and create pastors. And one of the ways in which they make sure churches are healthy is they will have some men with a giftedness, a knowledge of the gospel, go from town to town. So they go to these homes or these little bodies that are somewhat loosely connected to a synagogue and they preach the gospel and they feed the people for they are hungry and they protect them from wolves and false doctrine. Gaius is in the mix. He's bringing them in. He's sending them out. He's being faithful and making sure that the church is fed and that the ministers are cared for. Imagine how exhausting it is to be an itinerant minister in the early church. When I was 18, I went to Romania with my pastor to test me out. And I remember one day in January, filled with snow, like don't get distracted. Just everything should be covered in snow, in my opinion. We went to five villages in one day. Now, I really stunk at preaching back then. And I was really scared and terrified. Thanks be to God, I had a translator. After five little village churches, I was exhausted. Because you would go, you would greet, you would sing a song with a harmonica. You, you would preach and then you would eat. So I had like six meals, six worship services, six terrible sermons that a translator made beautiful on my behalf. I was in Romania for 10 days. This problem did not solve itself in 10 days. And, and if you look at how the church expanded within the first 50 years and then 100 years... It's a big task, always something to do. Emotionally charged, we see where the Spirit has done something in this village and someone else has come to know Christ. And, and then the smiling or your face is sore and you stay up really late hearing testimonies. I mean, these people are exhausted, but they have Gaius. Gaius knows where the back door is. Gaius is the one preparing coffee for them in the morning. Gaius is the one that knows how to make things quiet when there's just been too much stuff going on. And John says, I've heard about you, brother. I'm proud of you. Others are so thankful for you. Thank you for loving the church. He says in verse 6 halfway, you do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. He receives them, and then he makes sure they have provisions. Travel is expensive. These people have to eat. They have to pay the tax as they go and use these roads and enter new villages and make sure they're not getting scammed. There were pirates on the road who would often steal. He's making sure that they are going out, not with crumbs, empty-handed, and exhausted with an unpleasant experience. There's just something to preaching to a church that doesn't like you and then walking away. It's, it's, it's so awkward, so terrible. Um, I pray none of you have that experience before, uh, have that in the future. He sends them out on a way 
worthy of God. He mentions that they go out for the sake of the name. And they accept nothing among the Gentiles. I love the name. Fill in. They go in the name of Jesus. And they accept nothing from the Gentiles. The practice in that day were philosophers who were gifted and had something to share. They would go out in the marketplace. Sometimes they would rent a portion of a square. Or or sometimes they would charge for people to sit and hear them speak. And and it's a way how they made a living. So imagine this, you would have a a preacher in one corner presenting the gospel. And then you could have like some stoic philosopher explaining the meaning of life just a couple of feet over. If you wanted to hear the message from the stoic, you'd have to pay up. I've learned the meaning of life. I'm I'm teaching you how to conduct yourself in this universe and how to understand reality and morality, nature, you name it. I would have lost all my money back in that day. The gospel, however, was preached without price. Those who went out in the name weren't saying, believe in this God and he will heal your infertility. Believe in this God and you will get more money and be blessed with prosperity. No, they preached the gospel at no expense. So they needed finances. He says in verse 8, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with them. I think, I think Gaius knew this. We're going to throw all our money towards those that exhaust themselves, but have a passion and an ability to preach the gospel. But verse 8 is here because of another man in verse 9 known as Diotrephes. John mentions that I've written to the church. I shared with them what I hope to accomplish, an update from myself. But this individual, he's blocked my form of communication. Why? Well, because geographies is really important. In fact, he's more important than the apostle John. He likes to be first among all of us. And, and what John seeks to accomplish is seen as competition. What Gaius has been faithful in, Geotrophes sees as unimportant or less. We don't know the reason why Geotrophes is acting this way. From his name, we can assess that he was someone of significance, politically possibly, definitely socially. Which means he had access to things. He had standards. It could have been that Geotrophes was concerned with some of the heresies that went among the early churches. John speaks of Gnosticism in his first epistle. Possibly Geotrophes has been very concerned about who comes and visits the churches in his area for doctrine. It could also be something real petty. John keeps sending us people that just aren't sophisticated. I mean, John's a fisherman, and he just keeps letting more fishermen show up. 
or he, he really has a strong relationship with Matthew, and he's okayed it for past tax collectors to come and disciple us. I don't want to stretch things too far, but it's very possible that Diotrephes has an appetite just for the intellect. Or maybe he's been in this for a while, and with age, he's become opinionated, not humble, And he has his preferences, he has his doctrines, he has his camps. And anyone outside of his camp, anyone who isn't a yes man to him, is on the wrong side and is an enemy. So because of his own pride, he rejects the word of an apostle. We're prone to this. We're prone to have, this is really silly to word it this way, but I'm going, we're prone to have the good guy Christians and the bad guy Christians. The, The overly spiritual Christians and the just overly practical Christians that always keep their TV on with cartoons. And we have these two different groups, the better one and the right one. The correct one and the one who really gets it one. Be humble. I'm afraid that with my age, I will become more ornery in my doctrine. That I will become more stubborn in my preference. With any success the Spirit might grant us, let us remain loving and humble. Instead of saying, we have this past history, we know this formula, we got it figured out. So he likes to be first. And John says, for this reason, imagine this old man. If I come, I'm going to call him out. I get so nervous with verse 10 as an elder. He calls out the man's sin. And he calls out the man's name. At WCC, we don't find this as an invitation, I don't think, from the elders. Whenever we really just get ticked with you or have a difference, that we're going to just start preaching against your name, okay? This is, this is completely different. Diotrephes is possibly an elder himself. He's involved in the scheduling of ministers that come in and he's used his power and his significance and he's cutting out all people that would want to follow an apostle. Now, if you become apostate like that, yeah, we, we might call you out, okay? Uh, for, for the health and protection of our people, not for the feeding of our eager or for our own vengeance. So I don't think John here is trying to be vengeful. And wrathful, because he doesn't call him a twerp, a jerk. He doesn't talk about that time when he visited him once and he just wouldn't even talk to him. He's just, he's very discreet, very short, only 219 words here. He doesn't spend a lot of time on diatrophies. But his pride has allowed him to, to be under review. Going to verse 11, John gives some more assurance to to Gaius, and he speaks of 
a man who's being sent called Demetrius. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, and the one who does evil has not seen God. Verse 11 is a comfort to him. Look, I know Geotrophes has a name. I know Geotrophes has a reason for doing what he's doing. I know he's probably been in a lot of arguments. But don't imitate him. He might have a gathering. He might have a following. He might have a name. Showing his power. Don't follow him. Choose your heroes. Some may fail you. Be committed to what is good. Verse 12 says, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. I'm going to send someone to you who I love, someone who I trust, someone who is faithful. The churches speak well of him. The gospel is alive in him. He's able to walk it, which means he should be able to teach it. And I stamp my approval on him. So be faithful. We have a a choice we can make with our Bibles. We might be mentioning, I might be mentioning this a lot in sermons just because of of what I see in in the world. We might be people that we, we won't reject John. We will receive John all day long, but we'll reject Paul. Except for what he says about love. I mean, we really like that chapter. Paul had an experience where he was talking and and writing and saying you know some people are bragging that they've been baptized by apollos and and some by so and so and so i'm glad i didn't baptize any of you two i baptized two of you if i did anyone else i don't know we can get on some hobby horses some personality kicks some doctrines we like and we we can come to our bible and just tear it to shreds The Old Testament is inspired and it shows us a God that is loving and good and righteous, just like the New Testament. We have a God that does not disagree with himself. You hear some people talk about, you know, Jesus really didn't talk a whole lot about sexuality. It's because he and the Father are one. And there's no disagreement between them about sexuality and marriage. In the close of this, he says, I have many things to write to you, but I'm, not writing, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. I'll speak to you hopefully face to face. We see the control of an elder, of an apostle here. There are things that we're going to just talk about. This most likely might reach circulation. I think John is aware of that. Can't be dogmatic. There's things I want to talk to you personally, face to face. And I don't want to make too much of verse 13. 
but I can't help but think of the pastors that have brought me close into their lives. Office doors closed. We're out having lunch. Daniel, how's it really going? How can I pray for you? I see those frustrations as well. I am aware of the issues going on in church. I know what's going on in your family. Let's talk about it. Let's pray over it. Let's be together. Christianity is an invitation into a family. It's not just some event where now you can be holy on your own. And he tells him that I hope to come. I hope to see you shortly. To speak to you face to face. He says in verse 15, peace to you, the friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Just in a couple of simple words, he's telling them to calm down. My prayers are with you. I know of those who are waiting to see me. Tell them I love them. Maybe in a very quick stroke. You know all their names. Please call them by names on my behalf. Take care. I want to circle back briefly on walking in the truth. I want that to be our greatest joy Walton Community Church. I want us to be people that find joy in the gospel and walking in it. When we have children graduate, that's awesome. When the diagnosis has come back, clean bill of health, that is awesome. That promotion's happened. Amazing. But when we see faithful consistency in the gospel... May we go crazy. When someone's baptized, let's not make this a quiet little old church building. Let's rejoice and whistle and say amen. When we see evidence of one growing and accepting, receiving Christ, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate and find our greatest joy, not in this world, but when men and women are captured by redemption. Let's bow in prayer. True and living God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the Apostle John, a man who is so quick to love and encourage. May we be men and women that love and encourage one another, that know your word and that support one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.